Are you weighed down by the burdens of life? Do you find yourself encouraged by the word of God on Sunday, but lose momentum shortly thereafter? Well, welcome to Sunday Soul Service, an hour designed to strengthen, encourage, and motivate you to keep pushing along the journey we call life. This is Dr. Renee Sunday, the platform builder, encouraging you to believe, trust, and walk it out. Welcome to the Sunday Soul Service. I'm Leticia Bates, life coach and founder of At The Wheel Coaching, driving your life to higher ground. Limiting beliefs produce limited success. Do you want to get unstuck? Do you want the keys to effective goal setting? Do you want to achieve personal success? Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said, You've got to be before you can do and do before you can have. In my new book, I Can, 12 Keys to Achieve Personal Success in the Smartest Way, I share the keys to help you achieve your goals. The first key is the most important. It's how you identify. Since you must be the person you want to be to achieve your goals, how you identify yourself is the first step. Susan is an administrative assistant for a call center. She has been in the role for 10 years. She wants to be a supervisor. She knows the systems inside and out. She often laughs at how slow she is to get things. This slow idea is based on her struggles in school. She has locked into the belief that she is a slow learner. She can use key number one, identify, to redefine herself. That is the key to unlock her limiting belief. That is the first key to unlocking all limiting beliefs. We must examine how we identify ourselves in order to believe that what we want is possible for us. To help us dig a little deeper, the joy guru Alicia Brown is here. Hello, Alicia. Please share your thoughts. Hello, hello, Leticia. How are you? I am well. Thank you, ma'am. Well, you know, I have some thoughts, and you gave me the invitation to share. (laughs) 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 So I'm going to share. First of all, I understand the example you gave of the administrative assistant for the call center. Um, Yep. And I think most people listening can relate to that as well. But but what I really want to ask you, um, because you talk about these limiting beliefs and how it all boils down to how we identify ourselves, but what is that fine line? Because everybody has, you know, doubt, they have fear, they have uncertainty at various points in their life. What's that fine line between what's normal and when it becomes limiting. So in the example with uh, the call center representative, the administrative assistant, she wants something. So there's a part of her that has a sense. She can see herself doing it, right? She wants it. She desires it. Uh But this idea based on her past that she's a slow learner is what's limiting her from maybe taking that next step to moving her toward where she's trying to go. Uh-huh. So the limitation comes when you've got the sense that you can do something or you've seen somebody do something or somebody something inside of you is excited about it, but then you look back at yourself and think, ah, I couldn't really do that. That is a limiting belief. And so if you labor and lock into that limiting belief, then your ability to really move forward is going to be limited. That's, that's so true. That is so true. So you talked about this new book that's coming soon, um, I yes. Can. And you talked about be, and I heard it very distinctly, be, do, have. So yep. how do we be? How do we identify ourselves? Because for some people, be 
it's the same thing as do. So how do they differ? Yes, so that's a great question. So being, who you be and what you do are not the same, (laughs) are not the same thing. So what I recognize in, in a lot of the books that I've read, a lot of the processes are around what you do, how you do this, how you do that, which is great. Those how-tos are fantastic. But if I can't really see myself as being a person who could actually achieve that, achieve that level of success, whatever uh-huh. that level is I want to accomplish, if I uh-huh. don't identify with what I'm wanting to accomplish, all the doing in the world won't allow me to get there and maintain it. Right, so you see this occur where people maybe rise to a level of success, but they never quite identify in that role. There, uh-huh. um, you know, there are people who just kind of always feel like I just have to keep doing, 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 and they never connect their identity with the role that they're in. So what I can does is says, all right, let's examine who you believe yourself to be, uh-huh. and. If you find that you have a limiting belief, well, what's driving that limiting belief? In Susan's example, she believes she's a slow learner because she had a hard time in school. So that's a real experience from her past. So now she jokes internally and says she's slow. Well, Uh that is not a recipe to help her move toward where she wants to go. That's a a recipe to keep her stuck where she is. So the identification is, okay, maybe I did have some challenges in school, but I made it through school, and Uh maybe I'm not sure how to get to the next level, but I've been in this role for 10 years. So I am able to learn, and I'm able to maintain. That's a much more empowering place. So if she repositions that thought and says, I am a person who can learn, I I will take the time necessary to learn what I have to learn to be successful. That's a completely different identity than being a slow learner. That's, that's powerful what you said um, because, you know, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's about your mindset. And just in that yes. example, you know, the way you walk us through those steps, that's different because some people would say, well, if you're a slow learner, if you had trouble in school, that's a reality. So, of course, if she, even though she's an administrative assistant and she wants to be a supervisor and she's been in that role for 10 years as an administrative assistant, perhaps that's all she can be or perhaps the goal of a supervisor is too lofty because she won't be able to keep up the pace because she has this history of school, in school, of being a slow learner. So I love how you, you, you change that to what sometimes we call the reality of a situation and how we can transform that to not allowing it to limit us for our aspirations. Yes, because the other thing about Susan is that she knows the system inside and out. How would, yes. how does she know the system? She had to learn them. How does, she, uh, how does a person know how to text? You have to learn. How do you know how to post on Facebook? You have to learn. How do you want to get to anywhere you're going? You have to learn. So that was a a part of her experience as a person when she was in school, but now she's moved past that. But the thought, the limiting belief that she's still stuck back there is what's keeping her from moving forward. And so what the book does is it challenges how you're identifying yourself. And those limiting beliefs that kind of, self-talk that kind of keeps you stuck, it asks you to reconsider how you are identifying yourself in order to reach the goal. Okay. So you do have extra, like the what you just did to walk us through those steps of how to, if this is your reality or if this is what you say, now think of it this way. Here is the new reality. and This is the way you should um, change your thoughts in order to say, I can your book walks us through that. There's exercises for that. Yeah, there are definitely exercises for that. But it's not a should. 
what it okay. is, it, I'm not yeah, I'm not shooting on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, you know, should is a route to shame. That says you're doing it wrong, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying yeah. is if you want to achieve a goal and you're using inner, your inner thoughts are not in alignment with that goal, uh-huh. reaching that goal is still possible, but it is more slow and painful. Because every time she gets ready to do anything, when she continues to rehearse that she is a slow learner, she is a slow learner, that is not empowering her. What I'm offering in the book is a way to reconsider, reimagine yourself in relationship to the goal. And that's what I'm saying. As opposed to I'm a slow learner, another option would be I am willing to invest whatever time it takes to learn what I have to learn. So when she starts to approach her goal that way, she may know, she may have to read the same sentence 15 or 20 times, so what? I'm going to do what it takes to reach my goal. And so when she is identified as a person who is willing to do what it takes as opposed to a slow learner, that's a whole other mindset as she moves forward. Oh, I like that. So, so it really is about transforming you know, the willingness to transform your thinking. Uh-huh. Where did you come up with 12 keys? So I can is an acronym. Uh-huh. And the I, okay, so the I can, the first key is to identify, which is identify who you want to be. The C and I can is to care about your feelings, and there's a whole chapter on dealing with how you really feel. Uh And the A is to attend to those negative thoughts and those negative beliefs. There's actual a process to attend to those to to deal with with the emotional distress that comes around that. And then the N is to notice that there is a better version of you, the one that you're trying to reach to. So that's the I can. And the smartest, that is also an acronym. So George Duran in 1981 coined SMART goals, and so some people may have heard of them, and there are many variations of SMART goals. But what Uh I've used in my personal and professional life is a variation of that that really achieves maximum results. So the S is for significance, because if your goal is significant, to you, then it's a motivator when things get a little tough. The M is to make it measurable. So I show you how to measure the time input and the desired outcome so you know what it takes to reach the goal. The A is for actionable. So you have actionable plans to make your goals work, to make them accomplish, to be able to accomplish them. And the R is rewarding. And this one is special to me because you can achieve things and not feel a level of fulfillment. So the whole Uh chapter of rewarding is how to reward yourself along the way so that your goal is fulfilling. The T is trackable. Uh, That helps you stay on course. You have a plan in place. There's an accountability system that I talk about to help you stay on course to make sure you're getting to where you want to go when you want to get there. So that's the smart piece, right? So those are nine keys. And then 10, 11, and 12 are more how you actualize the goal. So the E is for envision. That means activating your visual senses, your auditory senses, your sense of smell, just energizing all of your senses around reaching your goal and really exciting yourself about it. The S is spoken, and that means speaking, positivity, and life to your goal. And then T is timely because there's an element that you're going to bring to the table in terms of what you can invest with time. But there are certain goals when they're longer-term goals or life-term goals or they're big, much bigger than, you know, just trying to get something accomplished with a small amount of time, that you've got to be willing to trust in the power of time in order for it to, to come to pass. 
So that's why it's 12 keys. I can, smartest are the acronyms. Uh, okay. Now, another question I wanted to ask you is who is this book for? Who was your, when you were writing this, who is your ideal person that you want to read this book for the transformation that you're discussing? This is a person like Susan who has a sense that they can, that they want something more. They just have this belief that they can't quite achieve it for some reason. And that reason is always 100% of the time based on the past. The reason we know it's based on the past is because the future hasn't happened yet. So someone who's looking to make a career change, someone who is looking to make a relationship change, someone who is seeing any level of success that they're wanting to achieve, and for whatever reason, they feel like that, that it's for somebody else, but it's not for me. He can do that, but I can't do that. He can do uh-huh. that, but I can't. I want that person to be able to pick up the book and say, I'm going to systematically go through this process with these 12 keys and walk away and know that I can achieve anything I want. All right. Well, I think most people would benefit from that. (laughs) But I want to go back to you talked about being and, and and there's a lot of discussion we've had so far about having a, a true sense of yourself. What happens when the thought of who you believe you are causes you pain? Yeah, and that that's a biggie. And I actually deal with the book. I deal with that in the book. There's a chapter in the book. It's chapter three or key number three, and it's a ten. And it talks about how you attend to those negative feelings that come up. Uh, One of the things that is in the first key, so let me back this up and identify, is some common thoughts, like lower thoughts that kind of keep people stuck. And one of those is confusing yourself with the problem, right? So let's say something, an example would be somebody has a failed business venture. Uh and maybe it was really painful and they lost a lot in that experience, there's a tendency to then say, I am a failure. Yes. So now you've you've locked into the belief that you are a failure, not that the business failed. You're identifying yourself as a failure. And, of course, if you had financial loss or relationship loss around that, it can be painful to kind of really take the lid off of that and look at it. Uh-huh. So in chapter in chapter three, attend, we actually go through the process of how you attend to that painful emotional experience from the past. Because uh-huh. again, it's in the past. The future has not happened yet. And we know that our past does not dictate our future. At some point, we didn't have any peace, we couldn't walk, and somebody had to change our pampers. But we, as we've grown, we no longer identify as babies. Uh So who we've been doesn't dictate who we are or who we can become. That is a good analogy because so often that's not – what an individual feels, you know, especially when, like you said, you know, there's a pattern. You know, sometimes that person, you know, using an example you gave of a failed business, maybe that person has tried several different businesses and each one of them failed. So it becomes natural to assume that maybe you just don't have what it takes for this. Maybe you should, and yet, of course, if you don't already have that down in your mind or it's not prominent, you will have other people that will interject that for you. You know, maybe you should just go back to what you did before this. Or maybe you should just stop wasting time over here and do this. So between your own sense of doubt 
and then whatever else, you know, you hear from other people, you sort of feel like, well, maybe I am a failure, so maybe I should just go back to whatever worked before or worked better than this. And sometimes it's really difficult to break that cycle to say, no, this failed, but that doesn't mean I should stop with what my goals and aspirations are. And that is why we start with identify. That's why we don't start with uh, how to have a successful business and how to do this and how to do that. That's not where Uh we're starting. We're starting with how you identify yourself. Because if you've had 10 successful uh, 10 businesses that have failed, that does Uh not make you a failure. Confusing yourself with the problem is a problem. So there are many, many people who have achieved amazing success but have also experienced failure as they've grown toward their success. They are not failures. They've had experiences or adventures that failed. So if you are identifying yourself as a failure, you're carrying that idea and that thought and that belief into the business. You're setting yourself up for failure before you even start. This is true. And that could be a a part of sabotage. Absolutely. Because if your chief belief is I'm going to fail, guess what's going to happen? This is true. You're going to fail. If that is your chief belief, then you will create that, even if that creation is at the subconscious level. That is why I wanted people to really identify who they believe themselves to be in relation to the goal before you actually start working toward the goal. Gotcha. So, and I want to say for anybody that's listening, you can be a part of the conversation or ask a question by just pressing star one on your phone and the engineer will pass you through. But let's say someone is listening right now and and they're understanding what you're saying about the difference between, you know, how you identify yourself and they understand now that, you know, just because I failed here or, you know, I haven't had success here, that that doesn't have to be the case with my future. Now, how do they take those beginning steps to who they identify themselves to be, to to achieve the success they desire? So that's a great question. And the answer to that is you start with what you want. So, you know, that that the experience with Susan, if I, if, you know, she was sitting, because I'm a life coach, so if she was sitting in a chair across from me and she says, and I say to her, well, what do you believe about this? And she says, well, I'm a slow learner. The first uh-huh. thing I'm going to ask her to do is to reimagine that statement in a way that would empower her. What could you say, this is the goal. Your goal is to be a supervisor. But you think you're a slow learner, so you can't do that. And now you've locked into this belief that you're a slow learner. I hear that. I see that. I know why. You've got the history in school that gives you the proof that you're a slow learner. That's how you feel about it. Nice. What can we do to change that sentence so that it is more empowering for you, so that it matches reaching the goal? That's where we're going to start. And in the book, what I do is I offer suggestions and exercises of how to consider things like focusing on your on what you bring to the table, recognizing mm-hmm. that you are not the problem, but you have a problem that can be resolved. So there are alternative ways to start to shift your thought process so that you can identify with a higher version of yourself, the version of yourself that you're seeing as a supervisor in Susan's example. Uh So in the book, you would go through those, you would challenge whatever your, you know, self-defeating belief is or your limited belief and then go through exercises of saying, well, how can I frame what I'm saying in a way that's more consistent with what I want to achieve? And I know 
you you have the gift of making it very easy to understand, you know, even on the show. These concepts that you talk about, you're able to just really break it down where, you know, we can understand and we can start, you know, doing, putting these things in action immediately. But, you know, that, that picture of what you see, of what you really want to be, and then sometimes you look at where you are and there's such a mixed match. Yeah. And it seems to be really difficult to jump over, especially when you might start the process and then you compare yourself to other people. Or, you yeah. know, you try something and you don't get the support that you see this one gets. Or, you know, for for some of us, I'll just say, let's use the example you gave of Susan. You know, you're on the job and maybe you did this for 10 years, but somebody comes in the first year and they get this level where you've been struggling to get there for 10 years. So, exactly. so how do we hold on to that where possible and to keep going versus yeah, the self-doubt the, kicking in? Yeah, that, that's what makes it painful, right? You see this right. kind of foggy image in your mind or you, you look at somebody who you think is an idiot and they're doing it and you're like, well, maybe I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, like, I can do that. Like, really? Her? I can do that. Okay. <laughs> right? So because we've had that experience before, right? We've all had that. So exactly. you see, like, this, this fog of who you could be in the role or what you would do differently, but then it it this experience that you feel on the inside that is somehow just not possible for you. That distance is painful. So Mm -hmm. in key number two is care. And in in this chapter, I talk about how to go to your feelings and acknowledge how you feel about yourself and what Mm -hmm. feelings you are, are connecting to most frequently. I call it a care inventory. And this is where people start to really get a sense of, ooh, you know, am I saying things to myself that are disempowering? It's not a judgment. It's just a way for you to kind of take stock of your feelings. Uh-huh. So when you learn how to care about your feelings and recognize that your, your thoughts are producing your feelings, then you have to have a way of attending to those feelings that are not serving you. So you identify you care about your feelings through the care inventory. And then in chapter number three, we talk about attending to those feelings, how to shift those feelings from the negative thoughts. You know what you've identified, but you don't feel it yet. So in key number three, attend, we show you how to move through that negative stuff that's locking you up and connect to the thoughts and the feelings that you want. Oh. That that that's amazing. Um, because you know, it it's really in my opinion, it's a work in progress. It really is a work in progress because, you know, you can have victory here and be confident in one thing and then something over here takes you for a loop. Or maybe it's something you were so sure about and it doesn't work out and then sometimes it's just natural to want to go right back. To those feelings of doubt yeah. or the, see, I told you so. Sure. Oh, you got well, that's human nature. Yeah. Yeah. And so what What this book, though, is the, the orange. So that, then in, right, that's the notice. That's the in and I can. That's the big difference. To me, that is where the shift takes place. Because in notice, we are now talking about shifting your orientation. Uh to start to focus on the version of you that you want to be and not focusing on the distance you have to go. So I live in Virginia. My brother lives in New York. And when I take the trip to New York, when I'm on my way there, I don't have the thought, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there. When I was Uh a kid, I had that thought, right? You ask the question, are we there yet? (laughs) Exactly. Right? Because you were <laughs> focusing on the fact that you weren't there yet and you were exactly. getting frustrated. 
Yes. But what I know now is that every single mile I drive, I'm getting closer. That's a change in orientation. I'm noticing where I'm going. I'm focusing more on where I'm going than how far I've got to drive yet to get there. And so in the notice process, you are starting to take notice of those small changes that are happening inside of your own thoughts and inside of your own mind. And then I'm asking you to start giving more of your attention to what is going well than what you have left to do. Wow. And, and just when you said that, that really is a mindset issue because, honestly, a lot of times we do look at things still with that approach of are we there yet? And we are focused on the distance versus what you're saying about, you know, what, what you want to achieve in the steps. You know, we're in a fast-paced society, so there's sometimes that pressure of did you do it yet? Did you make it yet? Are you there yet? That goal, you know, that aspiration, are you there yet? And when the distance is so far, there's a sense of disappointment because it seems like you are so far away from your goal. So when you say, you know, as a child, we keep asking, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Sometimes we, we still have that now. Yes. So one of the chapters in the book, which is key number eight, rewarding, what I talk about is how to set up a reward system for different uh-huh. phases, not to when you finish the whole goal. But I talk about setting up a reward system for yourself as you go along. This way, you are fulfilled as you take the journey. If you have a long if even if you have a goal that's more of a short-term goal, a six-month goal, six-month goal, and you are two months into the six-month goal, if you are waiting until the full goal is complete, to do any sense of celebration, any sense of appreciation, have any Uh sense of gratitude, it can feel frustrating to just drive through six months plunging straight ahead to the goal with, you know, with your feet to the fire. What I'm saying is as you set up the goal, I talk about to be accomplished. I don't like tasks, so I don't use tasks. Um, I call it to be accomplished with. Okay. And in the to be accomplished list, there are majors, major things to be accomplished and minor things to be accomplished. And I talk about creating a reward system for when you do minor things and when you complete major things. That uh, way, it is rewarding. When I take my trip to New York, I got my, my Audible book, my books are downloaded. I got the music. I got okay. the snacks I want to eat. I'm making my trip enjoyable. So even when I take mile number one, I'm still good because I'm, I'm excited and I'm enjoying the journey. So the rewarding piece of it is that as you take the journey, whether it's a short term, long term, or lifetime, if you build in a reward system, and you then notice and focus and give your attention to all the work that you're putting in, it's much more fulfilling. Okay, Letitia, I, I, you didn't say the word, but you're inferring it. It's a word that I'm coming to grips with. I don't really want to repeat it, but I'm going to repeat it on the show because it's important. I think okay. hearing the theme of patience. <laughs> I'm hearing a layer of patience here. So how is patience in this process? Yeah, I don't know that I – I don't talk about patience at all. Good. That's not how I I approach it because, you know, patience kind of gives a sense that, you know, I want something that I can't have or I want to be somewhere that I'm not yet. And what I'm asking is for – I'm asking you to take your time out and recognize that this is your this is your life, right? So whether your goal is to make more money or whether your goal is to take a cooking class, it doesn't that's not material. If you're spending your time giving all of your emotional energy to what isn't going well, then your life is not that fulfilling. 
Right. I'm asking you to shift into connection to who you believe you can be. Deal with any kind of feelings or thoughts that have you believing anything else. And then take notice of what is going well. I'm asking for a transformation in your thinking. I love and it. And I use that trip to New York because there is no, there is nothing I can, I could decide I want to be in New York in five minutes, right? There is huh? no way for me to do that. It's impossible. Now, if I took a flight, that could reduce some time. Uh-huh. But that, if I took a train, that might reduce some time. But I can't get it down to five minutes. So when, I, when we talk about key number 12, timely, one of the questions that I ask in that is, what is the fastest amount of time that I can achieve my goal? That's what uh-huh. I ask in, t- in timely. Because when you're looking at a goal, there are realistic pieces there that time does factor into. Like I said, if I take this way of getting there, I could get there faster. If I take this way of getting there, it would be slower. But there is a certain factor of time that I don't have any control over. So it's much more empowering to really be realistic about what I can expect in a, time, in a, in a certain time frame. But trying uh-huh. to get to New York in five minutes is only going to make me angry and frustrated because it's not possible. Yes. So how do you realistically distinguish between what is truly not possible and what you define as not possible because you're doubting yourself or you don't believe that you personally can achieve it? I think that if there is an image of you that is showing up in your mind, that there is a desire that is pulling at your heart, that is all the proof I need that it's possible for me. And I would like you to know that that is all the proof you need for it to be possible for you. You know, I want to interject something. Um, for those that have followed the show for a while and, and had the ability to um, hear you, you know, through different episodes and, and the advice that you've given, um, I have found that to be true. I went on a trip here recently, and my mindset had shifted, and we worked on some things prior to me going. But okay. I, I started to see the things you were saying, because when you walked into the room like you owned it, when you're not cocky, not conceited, not arrogant, not any of those things, but confident with the sense of who you are and your sense of worth, you know, not just the purpose of why you're here, but just that, I can't put it into words, but just that shift in focus. I saw repeatedly with various different people how it just seemed the atmosphere shifted, how I regarded myself was the way that I was treated. Yes. And instead of that feeling as that's unusual or feeling as if you're putting on a mask or a show, it was just simply that peacefulness, that calm period of, you know, period of, no, this is who you are. And as a result, since you accept this is who you are, the environment yields itself that that is who you are. So that is how you're reverent. That is how you're treated. There are certain things that are given to you, not necessarily because of the environment, but because how you walk into the environment. And then I remember remember something specifically you said, I busted out laughing, because you were talking, I think, a few episodes back about your plane trip. And you had missed the plane. All of these things happened. And instead of just freaking out in the moment, you just relaxed. You walked on. And, you know, you, you... no, wait a minute. I did freak out at first. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Thank you for that. Because I laughed. Yes, I ma'am. <laughs> I completely freaked out at first. Yes. <laughs> I don't allow you to freak out. That's how that works. Yes. <laughs> but, okay, she did freak out. But, you know, I, I was freaked out. 
So I was sitting on the plane. We had got, arrived early, and I had a connecting flight, so I had enough time. But slowly and slowly and slowly, that time started evaporating. And I was thinking about some of the things you said, practicing some of the techniques. I was like, you know what? There's nothing you can do. They have to get the aircraft engineer. The bottom line is right now you can't, you know, get off the plane. So I just sat there like, okay, I'm going to sit here and do this and do that. There's nothing I can do. So it was surrendering and yielding to the situation, and I just kept saying, you know, either way, I'm going to make my connecting flight. May not pre-board as early as I like, but I'll make my connecting flight. But on the contrast, there was one person in particular that was just cursing and was livid, and I just watched the difference. You're all standing here trying to get off. Some of you have stood here for like 20, 25 minutes. The situation did not change. The engineer no. had to do what they had to do. Exactly. And you're yelling. And I just, you know, sat there and went, wow, that that's the difference. And I start looking at other ways that I might think of life or, or do things. It's so much easier, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it initially, to just sit here and say, that is what it is. We'll deal with it accordingly. But if it's out of my hands, it's just out of my hands. So in that to, that, that episode that you're talking about, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. I was saying the things you're saying, they're absolutely 100% true. Yeah, that episode you're talking about was we were talking about dealing with disappointment. And I was saying disappointment is the least that you are without your appointment. Yes. Yeah. But when you understand that your appointment is your appointment, you're going to get to your destination. And Amen. I'm also saying now, if there is a fuzzy image of you, I don't care that it's fuzzy. If there's a fuzzy image of you doing something that you want to do, uh-huh. it's knocking on you. Uh. But the thing about that vision, that vision is not going to come down to where you are you have to rise up to it. Repeat that one more time because I love it. The vision is not going to come down to where you are. You have to rise up to it. Mm. See, if I Susan is getting a vision that she is a supervisor, that uh-huh. is her appointment. Mm. Okay. She's got to do what she needs to do to rise to that appointment. Otherwise, what will happen is her level of frustration and anger and overwhelm will grow exponentially. Huh. Because she can see it and it and, and it looks like it's eluding her and it's going to anger her. And what I'm asking you to do is to, instead of looking at the fuzzy picture and saying, I can't, look at the fuzzy picture and say, I can. Whew. Yes, Lord. And take your key and unlock the door. One of the things I say in the book is keys unlock doors, but they do not open them. I can give you the key to unlock. Say that again? No, I think you're already doing that. I was going to ask you to explain the difference. I can give you the key to unlock a door. If Uh you take that key and unlock that door, what is going to happen next? You have to open the door. You have to open the door. Ah. Keys unlock doors. You must open them. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That 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 was a game changer. Keys <laughs> unlock doors. You have to open them. And you know, yes. it's funny about that. You're giving us these twelve keys. And, you know, there's a lot of books, steps to this, steps to this, but I, I think that is so pivotal 
that someone can give you the key, but you still have to do the work, which we know. But the keys unlock the door, but you got to open the door. You got to open the door. Wow. You got to open the door. That's really, that's really powerful. Because a lot of times I think in life people dwell on the door is not open. I don't, I can't do this because I don't have this or I can't do this. No one ever gave me this. Or, you know, sometimes we play the, you know, um, compare game. Well, this person has this, that person has this. They have that advantage. I don't have that. But as you said, the key can unlock the door, but we're the one that has to open it. You have to open it. Wow. You have to open it. I can I can write to my I can write to my hand falls off and and show you all the things that I've learned. Which this I mean this this is a life work for me because I've lived this. I've lived this system. You know I've shared before about having a 1.9 GPA in high school and really having limiting beliefs based on the issues of abandonment and some abuse in my background that left me really believing that I I was worthless in a way. Uh So there was just that feeling of unworthiness around almost everything. But I had people believing in me along the way and showing me that I could do things and then having to kind of wrestle through that in order to try to keep making it. Well, one of the things I really wanted was a college degree, and I didn't have the college degree, and I did not believe that I was smart enough to actually get the degree. This was a belief that I had. And I've shared the story that, you know, in 2008, I was watching Barack Obama. He was a senator at that point, and he gave the Yes, We Can speech. He gave that speech after he was defeated in New Hampshire. But the way he gave the speech, it sounded like a victory speech. Yeah. And I remember jumping up and down in my living room. I was electrified by the speech. And I thought to myself, if this guy believes he can be the first black president of the United States of America, I think I can take some classes at the community college. I think like, you can. seriously. <laughs> okay? That, I mean, like, that, like that, that's what drops into my spirit. So what I did, I did a bunch of work for his campaign, and I said, I'm going to give my energy to the campaign. I'm going to do what I can do to help him get elected. And whatever happens, I'm going to sign up for classes in the next year. And that January... I signed up for my first two classes. And I'm telling you, it was so painful. The mental gymnastics, I had so much fear. I had so much anxiety. Now I was an adult, and I hadn't been in school in all of those years, and I had that 1.9 grade point average looming over me and all of that stuff, and I just had had to keep working through it and working through it and signed up for the doggone classes. Okay. Working full-time, then later starting a business, as I'm Uh going through that process, I'm in school, I end up not only graduated with summa cum laude honors, they asked me to give the commencement speech on behalf of my cohort class. So now I find myself standing on stage with the microphone on a jumbotron talking to people about, this is a person who didn't believe that she could get the degree. Not only have I gotten it, I've completed it at the highest level. I'm going to tell you, the only way to do that was to take that fuzzy picture of me and believe in it. And all of the negative and low image thoughts that I had of myself is leaving them behind. Class after class after class, I had to keep working through it and leaving it behind. And I've uh-huh. talked about this on a previous show, and it's borrowing. 
It's borrowing the belief. Here was a man who was attempting to do something that had never been done in the history of this country, nor did anybody believe it was possible. But he did it twice. Uh. So what I'm saying is you are bearing witness to people who are coming from circumstances that may be more challenging than yours, and somehow they're finding themselves successful. It's uh, not because they don't believe in themselves. It is because they have re-identified what is possible for them. And they have chosen to notice that that version of them exists and they give their energy to it. I, I mean, to me, that says it all right there. From a 1.7 GPA... And, again, going back to the beginning example you gave of the um, administrative assistant who wants to be a supervisor, she was a slow learner in school, you know, people would take that to say, well, that's evidence right there why I can never do this. But then you flip that. Absolutely. You flip that, and not only did you get the highest honors, I mean, for a lot of people, that would have been enough right there to graduate from a 1.7 to graduate with the highest honors. But then on top of that. Hang on. I have to correct you. It was 1.9. Hold on. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Let me not, <laughs> let me not, not, let me not take those points, too. You You're know. <laughs> I, I am so not offended because if somebody, with my GPA was the same way. I don't care if it was a point zero five. You're going to give me back. My I want the points back. <laughs> <laughs> those were hard earned points. You're going to give me every point, everything. Uh, oh, like 1.9. So, <laughs> yes, so thank you. the highest honors, but then on top of that, to be asked to speak in front of the graduating class, yes. So I think that's just like the perfect analogy that if you can see it and then you're willing to go forward in that action and not let those former beliefs stop you, that it really is possible, regardless of where it really it is. is. Yes, and okay. that was that is definitely a, that was a long term goal, right? Because this is uh-huh. and in the last couple of years of that, I started started the business. I was still working time, working full time, and and doing and and going to school. Yeah, and I love that example. So That's positive. Well, as each image of, of, of a better version of me, because in the book I talk about connecting to the hit version of you, and I explain how, what that is and how to connect to that. Um, but basically it's, just, it's what I'm talking about. It's that picture that you see, and then it's the willingness. So as these, these kind of ideas were floating to me about what was possible, I started believing in them. Uh. And so anything that was contrary to those things, you know, I did what I talk about in the book. I, I attended to those negative beliefs. And then I stopped using what I had been as a basis for who I could be. Uh, uh. So and that's just why I like that. The, well, that's why I use the example of the baby. We all, had, at some point, we didn't have teeth. You know, we, we couldn't walk. We couldn't do anything. We never right. make, we don't base any of our decisions on that version of ourselves. Oh. Okay. That was just a version of who you were at that time. That's not who you are. Wow. And that can work whether it was 15 years ago or five months ago. Yes. I mean, when I was 15, I couldn't drive a car, but the name of my business is At The Wheel Coaching because the 15-year-old version of me couldn't drive. This is true. So this is what I'm saying. You go through experiences and you go through stages, and some of that stuff is just crappy, and it feels horrible, and it is painful, and it is ugly, and you don't like it. It is abuse. It is abandonment. It is divorce. It is rape. It is the worst of the worst of the worst sometimes. But your identity is not in that. 
You have to decide who you want to be and identify with what you want and build yourself up to reach where you're trying to go. I love it. So we've talked about it all, the whole episode. Where can we find more information about this wonderful book and when is it going to be released? (laughs) The book will be released October 29th. But you can go to ICanTheBook.com. That is ICanTheBook.com. And you can sign up to be on the book release team, which means you'll know exactly when it's released and you'll get all the the updates and things like that that are going to come uh, with the book. So, again, that's ICanTheBook.com. You go there now and put in your your email address, and then I'll uh, have you on my list to keep you notified. Okay. And also, where would they go? Um, you mentioned earlier that you are a certified life coach. Um, so some of the things you talked about today, of course, we want everybody to buy the book. But those who are just ready right now, they want to work with you, something you said resonated with them, um, what services do you offer and how can they contact you? Yes, so I am a life coach, and one of the things that I do is I take people through this process, this I can system, which is a thought system. It's a way of thinking. But there are other things that people are dealing with. You know, they they have a goal, but they have some of that stuff going on that I just talked about, something really yeah. painful in their background or something that just makes them feel like they're stuck. I use uh-huh. a tool called tapping, which I talk about in my book, to help people work through some of that emotional stress so that they can let the emotions of that stuff go and connect to, you know, to the power of who they are. And for that, you can go to atthewheelcoaching.com. That's atthewheelcoaching.com. And also there's a page there for the book as well in case you didn't go to icandabook.com. But if you go to atthewheelcoaching.com, there's a way for you to fill out your con- the contact form and you can set up a time to, to talk to me. I offer a consultation. It's a 30-minute consultation that's $50, which I am willing to waive for those Sunday Soul Service listeners. So if you've got oh. something on your mind and you're wanting to start a program, then let's have a conversation and let's get you on the track to get into where you want to be. Did you say 30 minutes? Yep. Okay, and, and your website one more time. <laughs> My website is at com. All right. So but there you have it. Consultation. As a Sunday Soul Service listener, I will waive the consultation fee if you want to start talking about um, setting up a program. And I have different programs depending on what it is that you're wanting to accomplish. But in the Platinum program, which is a 12-session program, and the Gold program, which is a six-session program, both of those programs include taking people through the smartest goal. I love it. So, so that will give you an opportunity to, yeah, to, to put into practice what we're talking about. What were you saying? No, I said I want you to just give us some closing words. I know Dr. Sunday um, will come on with her closing words, but I want you to just give us some closing inspiration to that person that just feels like they're, they, they can't change their mindset. There's something they really want to be, but there's just a block there, and they really feel like they're on the edge. They just don't know what to do, and they want to give up. I will say your thoughts produce things in your life. If you are willing to transform your thinking, you can shift out of the idea that you can't and you can say, I can. I love it. Leticia, thank you so much once again for all of everything you give us with the wealth of your knowledge and the wealth of your practice. And I'm excited about the book release. (laughs) Thank you. I am too. And I look forward to anybody who wants to have that consultation and get you on the I Can plan. All right. So when we come back with you the third um, Tuesday of next month, we'll be able to get some feedback and other things. You know, by then the book has been released. 
And at this time, we're going to give closing words to the actual creator of Sunday Soul Service, Dr. Renee Sunday herself. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sunday Soul Service, brought to you by me, Dr. Renee Sunday, the platform builder. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an uplifting power pack hour designed to help you believe, trust, and walk it out. And always remember, I love you, but God loves you best.